Good morning, everyone. Friends, the, the scriptures of today um, are difficult ones. And um, <laughs> when writing a homily like this, uh, you only have one way to go. You present a difficult homily uh, to the people. <laughs> Friends, uh, uh, our first reading in the gospel uh, often is unsettling for many Christians when they read it, um, and particularly of the gospel. And because it depicts our Lord uh, Jesus um, in a different light, at, um, bringing discord and division, something that uh, doesn't fit the title that we hear in Luke of him being the Prince of Peace. And uh, oftentimes it is shocking to many that friends and associates and in communities, and in fact, um, it did uh, do this. And uh, these words of Christ, however, describe uh, the real experience of the first Christians, the first followers, were conversions to his way, in fact, tore families apart and um, created uh, tension and anxiety between friends and in communities. And this happened in what we know as Israel, or the nation of Israel, the people. Uh, they were divided. And um, in those days, there was nothing that uh, what we would know as safety nets, uh, for instance, the church is that for you. Um, all they had was family. And when they had that kind of division within families, uh, things began to get, well, tough for sure. You see, to become Christian meant living in a way that separated them from the status quo. It separated them from the established religion of the time for them, which was Judaism. And uh, it would then separate you from your family. And it was much more than just that. You see, those who would follow Jesus Christ would have to give up their inheritance. They would have to give up their social standing and anything else that went with that. And this experience is not so long ago or far away. It is experienced in degrees uh, by people from other Christian denominations, um, uh, from the Jewish faith, uh, from, from Mormonism, uh, even from Islam. Uh, you see, when any of those folks who follow those uh, religions decide they're going to follow Jesus Christ and become Christians, um, it becomes very difficult for them. And um, even more so, uh, if a person from one of those religions announces to them that they're going to become Catholic. Then the war is on. And uh, even today, when many people tend to take religion so lightly and serious loyalty to Christ uh, doesn't really happen, um, this becomes a very uneasy thing for those who are in the conversion stage. And um, they are treated with great hostility by their own family members. And uh, the gospel shows us another side of Jesus, not the peaceful shepherd, but a Christ, a messenger of holy fire. And um, when Jesus says that he came to light a fire on the earth, of course, uh, and I joke, I said, uh, when he came back, he made barbecues and stuff, but uh, <laughs> that was not what he was talking about here uh, by any means. Um, this fire that he's referring to is one uh, known as conviction and commitment and conversion. <clears throat> so my friends, 
um, I pose these questions to you, and I want you to seriously think about them. You don't have to answer them to me, uh, but as a pastor, I have every right to ask this of the people who come into this house. And uh, my question is, uh, what conviction do you have about Jesus Christ? What is your commitment to him? Do you have the conviction that we heard about from the prophet Jeremiah? You see, Jeremiah uh, spoke out against the nation and its wicked ways. And they threw him in the sewer, basically. <laughs> That's what the cistern was. They tossed him in the sewer. And they wanted to leave him there to die. And yet he was not swayed from his convictions about God. And um, he opposed the whole nation uh, of his time. And he suffered great persecution. Um, or in our second reading, it opens up with a great cloud of witnesses. And that's all those who followed Jesus Christ and all those who died for the faith and all those who had uh, lived their life in faith and were now in heaven. That's what St. Paul's talking about. And he said they lived by the conviction of the truth of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I pose to you something to leave with today. What about you? What is your conviction about Jesus Christ? What is your commitment level to him? You know, my friends, um, I bring this up, and you know, Father Mark's not a sporty guy. You know, he doesn't understand the sports and all that stuff. But you do. So this is why I use... Uh, this particular venue because some folks are more committed to their football team. Uh, and I know that because when football season comes, you guys are all sport. Uh, then, you, then it's a war. You see, and I bring that up because where your passion is, there your heart is. And uh, people have great commitments to their football team and their baseball team and um, they will not hesitate to wear uh, the team color. And, um, and they have no problem bringing it up and talking about it. And I wonder, where is that passion about Jesus Christ? Are you willing? Remember, three years ago, we had a t-shirt campaign. It was actually this very reading that spurred that with me. Remember, I called you all out. And most of you, remember, we had the t-shirts made and you began to wear them. Of course, when football season came, off went that t-shirt, and on came the. And I don't even dare bring up the money. I think about all the money generated in the sports arenas. Billions. Why? Because where your passion is, there is your money. And yet, churches are going in disarray because there is no money for them. See what I'm getting at? What about your conviction and commitment to Christ? He offers you eternal life. <laughs> Nobody else is going to do that for you. When the fire that Jesus wants from us is that of loyalty and of commitment. Um, because Jesus did not come to bring an easy peace to us in this world by ignoring problems and, uh, or having us look the other way. He came to bring a holy and spiritual fire um, 
to undo the power of wickedness in our world and in ourselves so that he could remake the face of the earth for every generation that would follow on the fence, but to join in his campaign. Once you pray to Christ, you have drawn a line in the sand. And Satan knows it, and he will come after you. I'm not even being dramatic. Most of you already know. Once you claim Jesus Christ, you have already made your side. If you think that you can just sit on the sidelines, you are wrong. He will come after you. So Christians cannot just simply sit around at all. You join in the campaign. Because people are like, Father, then what do we do? Certainly you come here. And you offer your prayers and you listen to the words of scriptures. But uh, you also do this by educating your children. In the knowledge of Christ and of the Gospels. And you speak the truth to them about Jesus Christ. And you do this also with people around you. And, uh, and the people that you work with. You have no problem speaking to them about sports, do you? Part of the reason why is because you feel that uh, it is a private matter. Your religion and your faith is not simply just a private matter. Jesus did not establish his church and communities because it was a private matter. It is both. You must have a personal relationship and there is a public life of your faith also. You continue to work with Jesus Christ by insisting on honesty and fairness in business <laughs> and in politics. That alone will keep you busy. <laughs> and i got to get you guys ready for 2020. Lord have mercy. Most of you guys are losing your minds already and it hasn't even started yet. Father's losing sleep already. But you see, you continue as disciples uh, when you insist on justice and when you insist on fairness in, in, uh, in uh, business, in politics, and in government, and you join in the campaign by struggling to restore a moral conscience to our nation. And this is what I mean. This is the public peace. This is what Jeremiah was doing. And this is what Paul was doing. When I hear uh, the government people talk about, oh, we're going to, in 2020, we're going to fight to get back the soul of this nation, I thought, you idiots, you have no idea what you're talking about. We Christians, as Christians, we have to fight to restore that morality. Because we are talking about the very heart and soul of a nation. We're talking about our children's futures. This is the public side of the Christ campaign, the spiritual firestorm of moral truth that Jesus came um, to repair uh, and to undo the effects of evil and to renew the face of the earth. Um, it is a campaign that every generation of Christians need to fight. And it is a struggle for the future and the heart of our society, of our very own people, of our children. 
for yours. I don't have any. <laughs> and there is that personal side, too. The fire of faith and conviction gives your life direction and definition and purpose. It's supposed to. It doesn't when you don't let it. And my friends, just because a society's values may be confused doesn't mean that yours has to be. Just because a nation's culture is morally adrift doesn't mean that yours has to be. You know what I'm getting at? Don't go with status quo. Jeremiah called out the sins of the many. And we do so. We don't condemn. We don't tell people they're going to burn in hell. But we point out that is not good. That is a wickedness. That's bad. And just because some people are unsure about right and wrong, uh, about uh, what makes for deep human fulfillment, doesn't mean that you have to be uh, confused about it. And just because people are indifferent to the dignity of human life, doesn't mean you have to be. And my friends, this week I was taking back so much. I get a lot of emails, and you already know how some of them are. Oh, Father, you. <laughs> but one email that came to me was so heartbreaking, and because uh, it was. A 911 call. Apparently, um, people, because of public disclosure, can request it. And these parishioners requested it. And then uh, they sent the audio to me, and I listened to it, and my heart was broken because it had involved that wicked place in Tacoma that's a sham that says, We help women. We're all about the woman. Yet you should listen to this 911 call to hear the callousness and the heartlessness of that staff member in that place. Heartbreaking. That's not woman's health. That's not protecting that life. It was callous and heartless. And it showed exactly what they're made of there. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So just because people are indifferent to human life in all of its forms, in all of its stages, doesn't mean that you must be. You must speak up and out against it. Just because people are casual about commitments and loyalties in all things doesn't mean you should. Last week, someone came to me and wanted to talk to me about something I never even heard of. Polyamorous. And I said, I understand the word poly, but I don't understand what it means together. And then when they told me, I was horrified. I said, are you crazy? You're coming to a priest to talk to him and see if this is okay? You guys know what that is? I, I mean, I know now what it is. I thought my head was going to explode. And I had to use all of my control not to smack that person upside the head. <laughs> well, everyone else is doing it. Everyone else. 
everyone else who? <laughs> but later on when I began, when I prayed about it, because I thought, oh, you, you need to be a priest, you need to be a pastor, you need to understand. <laughs> more and more I thought, you know what, you need to live in the monastery. <laughs> you need to get away <laughs> from this. But I was more concerned this was an adult male who came to me in his 40s. What are they teaching the teens? Are the teens buying into this idea of love and marriage? And what kind of commitment is there in that? And I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy on the parents. Their, hand, they got their work cut out for them. You see, my friends, this is what I'm talking about. Just because society says, and you, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to ruffle feathers. This is what Jesus is getting at. You think I've come to give you peace? The fire of faith gives our life direction, but that fire must be fueled and fed and tended to. And this is what your pastor will do. We do this by being in communion with our Lord through prayer, by staying in communion with his church, and for us Catholic Christians, by living a sacramental life. You need all the strength you have, because now I'm getting even a bigger picture of what you guys have to deal with almost daily. So my friends, people often, Father, how can I strengthen my faith? by what I just told you, but then get involved. Get involved. Offer your service. Volunteer. There's soup kitchens. There's places where the poor are at. There's Salvation Army. There's St. Vincent de Paul. There's opportunities here at, in our own church, uh, in our own parish. Start flexing your muscle of faith. This will make you grow and strong. To exercise faith this way will strengthen uh, your faith. It will strengthen your convictions. Let the fire of your faith in Christ, your commitment and loyalty to him, clarify your life and light the way, not only for you, but those around you. Faith is not a pretty trinket to be set on a shelf, uh, but it is a holy fire in which uh, you are to share and to let shine. One of the points of the readings today is that we should not let our faith remain only an ornament uh, or something we pull off the shelf from time to time. It is something that you live out every day, every single day. Gospel living this way is not easy. You have heard me tell you before, the Christian faith is not an easy one because it is not one of feelings. And I don't, like, I don't attack the other ones, but one of them I'll point out... Uh, Buddhism, that is a really easy religion. But, you see, we as priests have to study the other religions so that we understand them. And one of the things about Buddhists is that they're supposed to be celebrate. Did you know that? Yeah. You know how many of them are? <laughs> and you know what the repercussions of that is? Nothing. <laughs> no commitment. The only ones who are living the celibate life of Buddhism are the Buddhist monks. <laughs> to them, I give props <laughs> that they are following their religion as it was taught to them. Christianity is a tough religion. Requires commitment daily. 
not based on feelings, but based on his truth and his teachings. And it is hard. It is really hard, isn't it, gang? <laughs> when your pastor tells you it's hard, you know it is. Friends, Jesus never intended the splintering of a society or a nation or factionalism among family members. He came for the contrary, and I do not uh, argue with the gospel today. He came to save all the people of the earth and to unite them as what they are, children of God. But people varied greatly in their response to Jesus. And consequently, the division that Jesus knew he would cause was not volitional on his part. It was the result of the hardness of human hearts, of human narrow-mindedness, of selfishness. Division over religion continues even to this day for the very same reasons. May God help us and give us grace. 